Welcome to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. College Bar and Grill. Check out our new location, 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning tequila since 2011. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Voted Best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Behind the Mask. Serving the Valley Hockey community since 1994. OxyPow. Our chemical-free line of cleaning products gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive. For energy, stamina, recovery, Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is another edition of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy here live in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Paul Hornstein, live out on Long Island, New York tonight. A big show coming up for you folks. We got some great things to talk about. All things NCAA hockey in the uh, desert southwest, and of course our focus is on the Arizona State Sun Devils. We're in a waiting game, but right now it's time to welcome in uh, my friend Paul Hornstein. How are you, my friend? Ready for another big show? Wow, a live audience too clapping for us tonight, Paul. You got to love that. <laughs> we are just <laughs> up in the production game on this program on a weekly basis. You got to love it. Yeah, well, at least we didn't get the boo. I was worried about that part of it. but It's coming well, eventually. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friend, you and I have talked on and off for a little while now uh, regarding this waiting period that we find the Arizona State Sun Devils in after they completed their uh, regular season and are now waiting to see if they're going to get into the NCAA tournament for a record second straight year in just uh, – four years, really, of uh, NCAA competition. So let's start right there, Paul. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts. We know there's a 98% probability. I know you hate predictions. Uh, I'm going to say they're almost in. Uh, I will say uh, talk to me in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, wow. That's going to be a long time if we don't talk between now and two weeks. Well, no, I'm talking about two weeks before we talk about whether or not. Because, listen, this is uh, the, 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 the hard part. This is us sitting here and waiting, just like the players, just like the coaches, and just like everybody else. Um, everything is now out of their hands, and there's nothing anybody can really do about it. Uh, I'm trying to go, or at least train my mind to kind of go like it went last year where in that first week of the conference tournaments, actually the first two weeks of the conference tournaments where things went up and down in a crazy manner. Right. And, and, you know, I'm trying not to get too upset or too excited about how the numbers work out and just, basically play it as if 
you know, you just wait till the results are in. Because if you start looking after every period and you start looking after uh, every time somebody scores uh, or after each individual game is over, you're going to make yourself nuts. You're just yeah, going to make ab- yourself nuts. So a- Absolutely. Just, just wait it out. Let things play out. Uh, like I was mentioning earlier, um, we got a great show for you tonight. We have uh, one of the captains of the Arizona State Sun Devils in uh, Tyler Bush joining us here in about 15 minutes. So it's going to be a lot of fun to hear from Tyler. And, and uh, you know, he's been through this before now. He's a senior. He went through the waiting game last year. It's going to be fun right. to kind of pick his brain and see what he's got to say about uh, this whole process of waiting it out and, and more importantly, what they're going to take from last year's tournament into this year should they get in. So we'll look forward to having Tyler on here in just a few more minutes. But uh, right now, Paul, when we talk NCAA hockey in the desert southwest, there's so many things swirling around from a possible new arena at Arizona State to conference affiliation to are there going to be more teams joining back and forth. But one thing is stable, right? And that's the, the coaching staff at Arizona State and the terrific job that Coach Powers and Mike Field and Alex Hicks and, of course, their student coach in Riley Simpson have done this year. Uh, and let's not forget Leanne Blinn either, because every time I, I talk about the coaching staff, every player wants to tell me about Leanne Blinn and what she's done for them. <laughs> well, listen, you know, uh, it's a team effort on and off the ice. Uh, you just can't to look at what happens on the ice as an isolated incident, because it just doesn't work that way. Uh, everything from down to uh, <clears throat> the, the the equipment staff uh, and, you know, the people that make the, for lack of a better term, because it's not quite the same as professional hockey, but the people that make the front office work, um, whether it's the hockey ops people or the sports information people or uh, any student volunteers that may be there, Uh, it takes a whole operation to make things be successful. And if any pieces are missing, it doesn't quite work the same way. You have to have the support of everybody involved. And honestly, uh, I know it's collegiate sports, uh, but uh, the parents have a, have have a, a role in that somewhere too. And it, it, it all has to work together in order for everything to work well enough for there to be a second straight possible NCAA bid. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, a little bit off of that topic, but uh, I had a chance to visit today on our uh, Pitchfork profile with a redshirt, a redshirt sophomore who will be a junior next year. uh, The transfer from, um, how, how should we say it? Somewhere in New York. How about, how about I say Islip? New York. Well, that's where he's from. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he started out at Boston College in terms of his um, uh, in terms of his college career. Uh, and, you know, hey, uh, there are there is good hockey played here on Long Island and um, it doesn't quite get the publicity that. Uh, say, for example, Minnesota or Michigan or Massachusetts gets. But you can check out a lot of Long Island players. For example, Charlie McAvoy of the Boston Bruins is from Long Island. 
So, I mean, these things, you know, there's plenty of good, good uh, Long Island hockey, uh, you know, and and plenty of good coaches. The, uh, for example, the organization that Grando played with. Uh, and, and that's Chris Grandel. We should probably tell everybody who we're talking about in case you don't know. Oh, yeah, know. I thought that's, you mentioned it. I was... Uh, uh, no, that's, that's Chris cool. Grandel. I was kind of just teasing it a little bit. But, yeah, Chris Grandel is the Chris gentleman Grando. we talked to today. What, what a great interview it was. Program. So make sure you get on the Pitchfork profile tomorrow at IcetimeHockeySW.com and, and see that visit. It's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I think it's always neat to talk to these kids that, that have to go through the redshirt year because... I can only imagine how difficult that is when you got to watch everybody else play games, but yet you go through practice sessions just like they do. You do everything they do. You just don't get the game time. Yeah, well, you know, that is uh, uh, unfortunately the way it works. Uh, they are trying to change that in collegiate sports right now uh, in terms of transfers, uh, football, baseball, Basketball, hockey, and women's and men's and women's basketball are the sports in, in collegiate sports that have uh, the sit-out rule when you transfer. The other sports don't, and there's a lot of conversation now about eliminating uh, that rule for the those five teams and sports that we mentioned, um, where you'll be allowed to transfer one time without sitting out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in, in NCAA sports. So, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things going on and all sorts of uh, on and off the ice machinations going on in terms of uh, all of those things that you threw in there in terms of teams and conferences, arenas and all that. Uh, you know, it happened again this week where, Oh, well, in a couple of days, Illinois is going to announce their team. Well, okay. <laughs> but we've been hearing that for three years. Can I tell you what Illinois is going to announce before that? The fact that they're going to the ACHA National Tournament. And I have it that they may be playing a team from the desert southwest. We'll find that out tomorrow. Well, but that's... <laughs> Threw yeah, your curveball okay. on that one, didn't I? Yeah, you, you did. You did. Um, you know, uh, a little closer to where you're from. Uh, I know we know that uh, St. Thomas College. Is it college or university? I'm not sure. I think it's uh, university. It is? It's okay. university, and they got their own problems trying to uh, figure out oh, where but, they're going to play. Right, but they, they've been a Division three school and got kicked out of their conference for being too Exactly. Good. Exactly. And they're trying to get the NCAA to give them a waiver to jump straight from Division Three into Division One, uh, and that includes hockey. So who knows? Exactly. Well, what I do know is we're just a couple minutes away from bringing on our special guest, Tyler Bush. So I'm going to give Tyler a shout-out right now, uh, the Lloydminster, Alberta, Canada product. Um Tyler and I have talked a couple different times this year, but we talked several different times during the course of his career. And, you know, he's one of my favorite Sun Devils from the standpoint that he just does his thing, right? He just does right. his thing on the ice. A great student, a great on and off the ice player. Um, I'm going to build his head up really big before we get him on. So if you want to bring him down a notch, Paul, feel free. But I'm going to bring I, Tyler no, up I, as high I, as Listen, it. you can, listen. <laughs> 
You need players to fill different roles on a team. Yeah, it's great if everybody scores 20 goals, but usually that means if everybody's scoring 20 goals, nobody's playing defense. Right. Nobody is doing the things in the other two-thirds of the ice in order to win hockey games. And, you know, as the talent level has improved on this team from when Tyler was a freshman, roles have changed. You know, in his freshman year, he was counted on a little bit more for scoring uh, than he has been in his last couple of years. So roles change, teams change. And in order to have a winning team, you have to have all those roles filled. Tyler would score some big goals, uh, win a bunch of face-offs. Sometimes his team has trouble winning face-offs, you know, and, 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 and he wins them. So... Everybody has roles on this team, and, and that's how you win 20-plus games uh, in two consecutive years uh, after only four years of being a full D1 program. You have to do those things. And Tyler has come in, uh, was originally committed to Ohio State. Uh, I kind of want to ask him about that and if there's anything he can kind of tell us that maybe he hasn't or hasn't been asked about that transfer. I know it was a long time ago, but, you know, we have some time to, to talk to him and go a little in-depth with him uh, and, and those kinds of things and, and, and ask him uh, how things, you know, worked out that he came to ASU. Uh, you know, how much did, say, maybe Dylan Holman have to do with him coming to ASU after they played together in juniors? Those kinds of things. So hopefully uh, – uh, We'll ask the right questions and, and get the good answers and uh, and go from there. All right. On that note, let's take a quick break. Let's uh, hear from one of our sponsors, and then uh, I'll ask Tyler just to go ahead and uh, hit the uh, number three call-in button and get him on here live with us when we come right back. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas – or if you just want a straight shot of a great-tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with your friends or just relaxing by the pool after a long day at work. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., by visiting us at MexicanMoonshine.com. That's Roger Klein's Concion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. All right, and I think we got Tyler live with us. Tyler, are you there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? We yeah. can hear you loud and clear. Welcome aboard. You're with Scott and Paul tonight. Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you guys for another outstanding hockey season and and you being a captain of one of the, uh, one of the captains of this team. It's... Uh, it's leadership that gets it all started, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having me on. That was quite the intro, too. You didn't have to, didn't have to do that for me. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's been good. I think uh, com- coming here has been, uh, you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made. And, um, you know, it's just such a good group of guys and, and such a tight-knit group that we have. And, um, you know, having a, a leadership role, you know, it's it's – it's been easy on me and, and just the, the fact that we have so many different leaders on the team and 
and guys that just bring so many different dynamics. I think it, it makes it easy to uh, to lead when everyone's kind of pulling the rope in the same direction. So it's been good. Yeah, I think uh, you you know Tyler, you and I have talked along the way, and and Coach Powers told me, and I'll keep pumping you up just a little bit more in case my co-host brings you down, but. Uh, Coach Powers told me uh, a couple of years ago, he said number 10 is going to be a captain in this program before it's all over with. Um, he, he didn't lie, and I don't think you've let him down. I've been impressed with what you do on the ice, and I've been uh, particularly impressed with your face-off skills. So before I let my co-host go at you, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the face-off circle and, and what makes you so good in that, and, and why do you like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I've – tried to work on uh throughout my college career and, and just continue to get better on and um you know it's just one of those things that you can always improve on and, and you kind of see guys at higher levels um you know you, you see guys in the past almost make a living on, on just making face-offs and it's such a important part of the game that sometimes goes unnoticed but I think you know when you when you can win the draw and, and start with the puck it's a huge advantage so um I've, I've learned a lot from uh, our coach Alex Hicks he uh he was a centerman back when he played and and he's taught me little things here and there that have helped me. And, and you know, I've also taken things from other players too. So, um, yeah, you can always you can always learn different little things and, and try to improve in, in different situations. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's one area of the game where I, I really try to compete, and uh, especially in our, in our D zone and, and on the penalty kill. I think if you can win that opening draw, it's, it's a big advantage. Now, Tyler, in the last four years since you've been at ASU, uh, as long as we're talking about the topic of face-offs, and I hope for people listening doesn't come across as too much inside baseball. But the the, the way face-offs are taken now are uh, really a, a lot different than they were when you first got to ASU as a freshman. Uh, how much of an adjustment has that been, not just for you, but just for your teammates and, and even as you talk to other players, because I'm sure your friends with other players around the country. How much has that changed and how much work was that to make that adjustment? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a lot of it goes into just the linesmen and, and you got to kind of get a read on them and how they drop the puck and, um, you know, what they'll, what they'll let go. Like a lot of the times when, when you're starting a game, you're kind of seeing how much you can cheat and get away with without getting kicked out. And, um, you know, they've changed rules where you can't win it back with your hand or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think that a lot of it is just reading off the linesmen and getting a feel for them at the start of the game just to kind of see what you can get away with. And um, I, I think that guys are always adjusting depending on who they're taking draws against and what hands they are and whatnot. So um, I think that early on is a game when you can really, you know, try to get a feel for things and, and try to get an advantage early and then um, just kind of go from there. Tyler, I want to ask you a little bit about the way the season ended for you guys. I, I know coming off of 13, 13 straight weeks of playing that you guys were probably really exhausted in that Friday night game at Wisconsin. I thought that you guys laid it all on the line. Is that the way it felt in the locker room too? Yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. I felt I feel like it was such a back-and-forth game, and um, there were so many highs and lows. And, um, you know, they're, they're a really talented team, and we knew that going in, but – um, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of gave all we could and emptied the tanks on that Friday night, knowing that if we won, we'd, we'd put ourselves in a really good position. And um, unfortunately, it didn't work that way. But, um, you know, we're trying to forget about that weekend and 
um, you know, when you look at the big picture, I think we're really happy and, and pleased with our season and how it's went, and uh, especially down the stretch, um, as opposed to the weekend in Wisconsin, I think that we finished the year really strong and um, put ourselves in a good enough spot that, that uh, we'll be able to play some more hockey here. So, Well, you guys have had now two different occasions where you had to take a long break, even though they were different. Right. There was after last season where you guys had a four or five year, uh, four or five year, I'm sorry, four or five week waiting period, uh, pretty much in the same spot that you guys are in now. Uh, a, a really good chance of getting that first bid. In this case, it's the second bid. Uh, then you guys went to China and had to come back and and really have another four or five week break, even though they're different. Have you guys been able to pick any, any things out of those two different types of breaks as you go into this one, hoping that there's a bid at the end of it? Yeah, I think that uh, it's, it's actually nice now being through it and knowing what to expect. Um, you know, obviously it's it's a few weeks, but it feels like a lot longer than that when you're not when you're just waiting around and, and not knowing what's going to happen. So um, I think the biggest thing I've taken from is you just got to kind of treat every day like like its own and just kind of get through it. And, um, you know, that like we almost created like a training camp at this point. Like we're uh, we, we had all last week off. So everyone rested rested up and got their bodies healthy and then um today we got back in the swing of things so uh just just trying to treat it like uh like almost a training camp type mentality that um we're, we're working as hard as we can to, to get ready for that first weekend and um you know we we started the year off well too when we came back from china so um i think we're we're ready and and we know what to expect this year rather than last year we kind of went in blind so um yeah, just just little things as just trying to get your body ready ready to go for that first game. You know, yeah. Tyler, I, uh, I when I looked at uh, your schedule and the way things were going, and I said, uh, coming down this stretch, the fact that you guys uh, are done already and sitting around that can be a disadvantage. But on the other hand, it can also be an advantage to the point where you're not going to lose any more games, right? You're not going to win any more games, but you certainly aren't going to hurt yourself. It's, it's basically now to watch the pressure on the teams that are still playing to continue to win if they're going to try to catch you, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that, uh, you know, we knew we knew that we'd be in this position at the end of the year. I think that, you know, we, we just – our main goal at the start of the year was just to get in the tournament. Um, you know, whether we were a one seed or a four seed, it really didn't matter to us. Um, I think as long as you can – put yourself in a position where you can get in then um you know anyone's got a good shot at, at winning it and you've seen that in the past with teams and um I, I think that the way we're sitting right now I think we got a really good chance of getting in and and hopefully that all works out and and we're just going to keep taking it day by day and, and preparing as if we're going to get in for sure so so now as as we wait to find out what happens every player is different are you one of those guys that uh, doesn't watch any other games at all, or are you going to sit there on the on, on, on the next couple of weekends and 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 try to watch as many games as you possibly can, or will that be too? Uh, I don't, not not necessarily crazy, but frustrating because you're just sitting there watching and not able to play. Yeah, I think yeah, for me it's it's tough. It's a it's a little bit stressful if you're kind of sitting around just waiting and, and watching everything play out. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of hard not to with, you know, guys are always throwing out updates and, and everyone kind of knows what's going on. So 
Um, I'm not going to watch any games. I'll, I'll watch the scoreboard a little bit and, and, you know, check in on it every once in a while. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that we'll, we'll get in everything will work out. And I mean, there's not much we could do at this point. We can just prepare as if we're getting in, like I said. And, um, yeah, I, I think I'd be putting myself through a little too much stress if I was to, to be sitting there and watching all the games unfold. Well, I know Coach Powers has uh, got a good schedule lined up for you guys as to what you're going to be doing. Uh, we can't probably give away all the secrets yet. I watched practice today and saw there was a little speed and skill development going on. But um, how will you take the next four weeks in, in preparation part of it? You said a little bit it's like almost a training camp again, but does that start to ramp up as we get a little closer to uh, the 22nd when we get Selection Sunday? <laughs> Yeah, I think that, uh, that right now is a perfect opportunity for everyone, especially after taking a week off. Um, you know, some guys were banged up and, and sore, especially after playing 13 weeks or whatever it was in a row there. I think that guys were a little bit run down, but, um, you know, we kind of refueled the tanks and, and feel good now. So I think um, personally I'm just going to, you know, try to get stronger in the gym. I think it's a good opportunity for me to, to put on some more muscle and, and get stronger, whereas, you know, other teams might not have that option. And um, I, I think that the next two weeks especially, I'm just going to focus on uh, going hard in the gym and, and being getting stronger. And um, and then when it's getting close to the tournament, maybe focus more on, on resting a little bit and make sure my body's 100% and, and ready to go. So uh, every guy might be a little bit different, but I think the, that um, – you know, everyone's everyone's going to do a good job of uh, making sure they're ready to go. Well, so so now over these next uh, four weeks, um, as as the season as the as we wait to find out, um, uh, concentrate on classes. Um, are there things that you do to get away besides classes, which? I don't even know if you're done. I don't know if you're uh, doing graduate work or not, but uh, finish up classes. Uh, what does Tyler Bush do for relaxation away from ice? It has nothing to do with hockey. Yeah, I still got I still got some classes to finish. Uh, I'll graduate um, in the spring. So uh, just, yeah, focusing on school. And um, we got midterms this week. Uh, so next week we have completely off of school, spring break. So um, Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's we're in a good spot. We're we're just kind of focusing on school right now, going to classes, doing stuff like that, and then uh, next week we'll have completely off to just focus on hockey and, and getting healthy and stuff like that. So um, I, I think our coaches have done a really good job of setting up a schedule and everything. We're doing some team bonding stuff on the weekend, and um, you know, just kind of staying uh, preoccupied as the time goes by and, and trying to make our time go by as quick as quickly as possible. Well, I know we got you for just a few more minutes here, Tyler, but I do want to ask you, uh, since you've been through the national tournament uh, thing last year, and, and when I watched you guys last year, I thought maybe you were a little sluggish your first couple of periods and then really came out and took Quinnipiac to, to task in the third period. I have a feeling if there had been a fourth period, Quinnipiac wouldn't have wanted to face you guys. So what will you guys take this year and being a captain and a leader, what will you tell the, the younger guys about how to prepare for this first game assuming that it's going to be a tournament game yeah I think that uh like our experience will help a ton with that I think that um you know whether we were playing all the way to the tournament or not the, I don't think the time off had had much to factor into that I think that 
Um, you know, it was everyone's first national tournament and, and a big stage like that. Everyone's a little bit, um, you know, timid almost and, and just kind of feeling it out and, and seeing how it went off the start. But, um, you know, once we got our feet wet, I think that, you know, we really carried the play in the last half of the game. So um, I think we have a lot more guys that have that have been there and, and experienced that stage. So, um, you know, just for younger guys that haven't been a part of it, I, I think just you know, we got to make sure that everyone just like treats it like a normal game as, as hard as it, as hard as it might be. It's, it's, you know, it's just a, you know, a game that against another college team and, and we've played a ton of them already. So, um, you know, I think that, that a start is very crucial, um, especially looking last year and, and seeing how that all unfolded. I think that uh, it's going to be very important for us uh, to, to get off to a good start and, and not just dip our toes in. Well, as we are, as as we uh, get through uh, our last few minutes, I, I mentioned before you came on, uh, we're kind of at a point now where there's not many guys left that were around when this program started, and you are one of the few guys, uh, and you are still at the point when you were getting recruited that this program just started. What was your initial reaction when you got that first call or letter or however the first contact was made, uh, seeing if you were interested in coming to, to ASU, especially from uh, Alberta, where I know a lot of uh, Western Canadians uh, spend the winter time in Arizona. But uh, in terms of, of hockey, obviously it was brand new. What was your first reaction? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I heard a lot about the school and, and knew about the school apart from hockey, like before that. And then, um, when I knew they, when I knew they got a division one program, uh, you know, immediately, I mean, everyone I was playing junior with was, um, you know, pretty excited about that. And, and you know, we were talking amongst ourselves, just saying how cool it'd be to, to play hockey in Arizona and, and at a school like this. And, um, you know, the first time coach powers, uh, contacted me, I was just really excited and, um, definitely had some jealous friends uh, that I was playing with back home, but, um, yeah, just, just really happy with how it's all worked out. And, um, you know, I, I just love the idea of, of starting a new program and, and, you know, the challenges that we'd face with that. And, um, just like I said, really happy with how it's all went down and, um, you know, I couldn't ask for a better four years. All right, we'll wrap it up. I've got one final question for you. The, uh, in June or July or whenever it was, and we all sat down and, and, and your co-captain, Brinson Passionate, came out to the media and said, I'm not going to be satisfied unless we win a national championship. I didn't come here to not win a national championship. How was that in the locker room? And did you guys feel any added pressure? Did you feel the same way uh, Brinson did? Yeah, no, I think that's everyone's goal. I think that, um, you know, if that wasn't our goal, then we'd probably be setting ourselves a little bit short. So um, I, I think we have as good a chance as, ever, as anyone. And um, I really like our team dynamic this year. And, and you know, we, did, we just got to wait now and, and prepare as if we're getting in. And, and, you know, when we do, just be ready to go. And, um, you know, it's, it's only four wins away. So uh, it's going to be some tough hockey, but I think everyone's up to the test. And, and that's our goal. And that's been our goal since the start of the year. Tyler, thanks for visiting in with us tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, continue to get better as we get down this stretch. And uh, 
don't let that anxiety get to you too much because it's all going to work out. I've started the hashtag. It's not over yet. So let's keep it rolling, okay? All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was uh, Tyler Bush, the captain, senior captain of the Arizona State Sun Devils that joined us tonight as we prepare for the uh, the countdown to another potential national tournament. Let's take another quick break. Let's come back and uh, Paul Hornstein and I will uh, kind of recap how everything stands and we'll, we'll give our opinions on where this program is headed, not only now, but in the future. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. When you talk about the best of Las Vegas, you are talking about the best of the best. So when you are Jesse Ray's barbecue, and you're named the best of Las Vegas two years running, that speaks for itself. Set your taste buds GPS to 5611 South Valley View Boulevard and let them savor our People's Choice award-winning barbecue ribs. Stop in and pick up a bottle of our best in Las Vegas barbecue sauce to take home. Open seven days a week from 1130 to 830. You can order online at jessieraysbarbecue.com or call 1-702-541-5546 for delivery. And for that occasion that will be remembered for a long time, call us for all of your catering projects at Jesse Ray's Barbecue today. All right, and we're back in. Uh, Paul Hornstein still with me out there on Long Island, New York. Paul, has it quit raining yet? That's what I want to know. Uh God, I hope so. <laughs> Listen, it beats snow, but it seems like every week when we talk, it's raining. And I'm right. <laughs> well, I try to push it you from don't, west to you east don't for want, you. Yeah, thanks. You don't want <laughs> to know the things that I've been saying in my car when I wasn't talking to you <laughs> about my these rides home. So um, <laughs> you're about the only other person that I know spent as much time in the car <coughs> as I did. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's just say um, uh, what I was screaming in the car was not G-rated. <laughs> All right. So we had Tyler on, uh, you know, he's always a great, great interview because he just tells it. Like I said, in the beginning, he tells it like it is. Uh, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He, he knows his role on this team. He knows this team. Well, uh, you and I have seen this team since day one. And I, I always tell people that before they were an NCAA hockey program, I had a chance to go into coach powers, office at Oceanside and sat on the couch. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, coach, you're starting an NCAA hockey team. How are you going to do this? And he looked at me right back and he said, we're going to be big, strong, and old. And we're, we know we're going to take our lumps, but we hope they're not for long. Okay? It wasn't for long. We're, uh, we're looking at history again because last year history was made when they were the, the first team in, what, 30, 40 years to make a, an at-large bid without a conference into the mm -hmm. NCAA tournament. Right. And now – they're right on the cusp of it again. I mean, you, you just look at it and you go, if you have a 98% probability, that means there's a 2% non-probability, if I, if I can say that. Well, I just looking at it strictly from a pairwise perspective, and man, oh man, it is just so razor thin. It is, it is really just... Right now, and, and, and the problem is, I don't know how 
each game will affect the the RPI number that that ranks in the pairwise. Uh, right now, uh, ASU is at five three nine eight. Ohio State is at eleven at five four two two. UMass Lowell is at five three eight eight, and Quinnipiac is at five three five six. So I don't know how much uh, at this point in the season one game or one result makes things go up and down. Um, the only thing I know is as we get set for conference tournaments to start, um, we can be pretty confident that there won't be a surprise team out of the NCHC. Uh, we can be relatively confident that uh, the, the ECAC will not have an upset winner. Um, Cornell and Clarkson have just been so much better than everybody else. Um, and that, inc that includes Quinnipiac, who's at 14 right now, the pairwise. Uh, and for an NCHC team to come through and, and take a surprise bid, that means they would have to beat some combination of at least two of these three teams in North Dakota, Minnesota Duluth, and Denver, who are all in the top six in the pairwise. You, the odds are you'd have to beat two of those three teams in order to get the automatic bid out of that conference. And, and I just, especially since those games or a lot of those games would be on the other team's home ice, I just don't see that happening too much. Um, could it happen? Sure. Uh, there's no question about that it could happen, um, but it would be really, really difficult to to, to see that happen. Um, honestly, so, so right let me, now, let me let me stop you right there. Let's let's do this. Let's run right through the uh, the conferences since you got to start in the NCHC. Let's let's look at the Atlantic Hockey Conference because I think that's going to be pretty easy for us to determine. There's going to be one team and only one team coming out of there yeah, in the tournament. So you're looking at, you know, AIC, Air Force, or Army in, in my estimation, but it really doesn't matter who wins that tournament because right. they're going to get doesn't. a spot no matter what, and they're, none of right. the, the other teams are in the tournament right now anyway. So, right. and so I we think can say that Atlantic probably gets number 16. Is that fair enough? I, I would say that, but and I think that is kind of – where some of that 98% comes in, I, I, I can't, not going to lie and sit here and say I, I know what the, what, what all those numbers mean, other than uh, the probability of, I don't know if it's just getting in or finishing in the top 16, because that 16th spot uh, is, is, not, is not possible. So I don't know, and I don't want to sit here and pretend that I do. Um, but, you know, I mean, that, that much we know. The Atlantic Hockey Champion will get spot number 16 and will end up playing North Dakota most likely. Uh, in yeah, that, that sounds round. like fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So, so let's jump to the next conference that I have on my list, the Big Ten. This is one of those conferences that makes me a bit nervous, and here's why I say that. We look at Penn State holding a spot in the tournament right now. Ohio State holding a spot in the tournament right now. But just outside, Minnesota, Michigan 
Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, every team in that Big Ten is just either holding a spot or very close. So, so let's play devil's advocate here. Let's say that a team like Wisconsin, who's been pretty hot since they uh, played the Sun Devils, let's say they get on a roll and win the Big Ten. Now they got the automatic berth, but they're probably going to drag Ohio State and Penn State down a little bit in the process, but, but not out. So now you've got three um, teams from the Big Ten if that were to happen. Well, listen, if just as we sit here and look at the numbers, uh, we, can, we can say that it is a legitimate chance that one of the teams outside the top 15 wins this conference tournament, therefore, you know, taking away that quote-unquote number 15 spot. Because uh, I, I can't see Ohio State dropping from where they are at 11 all the way down past, uh, all the way down past the, the 14th spot, which would uh, maybe knock them out too. So um, – just for the argument's sake, you would have to say that this is one of the is one of the place where ASU could lose a bit. Yes, yeah, you know that uh, that would and, would definitely put a, an ASU bid in danger. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next up, ECAC. We know the two powerhouses right there, right? It's it's definitely Cornell and it's definitely Clarkson. But when you look at Quinnipiac making a rush right now. When you look at Harvard, who always seems to hang around at tournament time, that's another conference where there could be an upset, which could hurt Arizona State. We know Clarkson and Cornell are going to get in no matter what happens. But, but let's say a team like Harvard or comes from, from outside of everywhere and wins the ACAC. Now you got, what's that, uh, quote-unquote number 14 spot taken. Well, that is uh, an issue. Uh, you do have a situation where uh, the top four teams in the ECAC uh, get first-round buys. So maybe that hurts Harvard in the long run, uh, even if they take two out of three from St. Lawrence. Uh, that extra week of maybe two or three games uh, maybe hurts them in the end. Uh, are they always a threat? Yes. Uh, the odds are, though, they're going to have to beat uh, – and I, I mean, let's let's not say Cornell can't lose because obviously they can, but Harvard to get in is going to have to beat Cornell uh, or and uh, either Clarkson or Quinnipiac. And right now, there's a lot of separation between Cornell, Clarkson, and the rest of that conference. Even with Quinnipiac uh, nipping at ASU's heels in terms of the pairwise. Um, that helps uh, Quinnipiac winning to a certain extent uh, improves ASU's pairwise number, but obviously not as much as actually winning games. So uh, once again, there's another conference that the chalk is likely to hold on to, but uh, it's, it's not out of the question that Harvard or Quinnipiac can't win that, that conference tournament. Okay, let's go to WCHA, which is still the WCHA right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's another story for another day. But yeah. when we look at the WCHA, another thing right there, it appears 
that the winner of this conference is going to be Minnesota State or Bemidji State. I just don't see anybody else yeah, just running the, the table and the gauntlet and getting past those teams because as soon as you run into Minnesota State, you're probably done. Um, well, so, here's the thing. Again, you're going to Bemidji- play – you're going to play Go at ahead. Minnesota State, and you're going to play at Bemidji, okay? Which means the the assuming that those teams win their first round series, uh, that means they're going to host the second round, and the, the an upset is going to likely take place where uh, somebody's going to have to win twice on three games on the road. Uh, whether it's twice at Bemidji State or twice at Minnesota State and in the championship game. Could it, once again, anything could happen, but right. I would say this is a place where ASU could be cons- relatively safe. All right. And then the NCHC, I just want to touch on it because uh, I'm saving the best for last year with Hockey East, but the NCHC we talked about, there's already three teams that have locks into the tournament. In uh, North Dakota, Minnesota, Duluth, and Denver, I don't right. see anybody else even getting a sniff at, at that championship in the uh, the Frozen Five or what Final Five or whatever they like to call it now. Yeah, whatever the heck they're calling it, yeah. Uh, well, so, once again, you you got to go on the road and beat these teams, and that's you know yeah. that's not going to be easy. Uh, and then if you're one of those teams, and if you pull one of those off. Uh, especially uh, if you're going to play Duluth uh, in in a semifinal or a final game where you're going to be playing in Minnesota. Now, I know North Dakota travels everywhere, but uh, and I don't know how the ticket distribution goes. Uh, who's willing to pay the scalpers? Did I say scalpers? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> who's willing to pay more? Uh, to get into a building, say, in a, in a championship game. So I would say the odds of of one of those three teams not coming out of the NCHC and taking a bit away from ASU is, is not going to happen. Yeah, I would say that's the most likely of all scenarios that uh, one of those three teams wins the uh, conference championship, uh, the tournament. I should say. Uh, okay, so Hockey East, and this is the one that gives me uh, nightmares almost every night now when I consider what the possibilities are. Right now, we're looking at Boston College, pretty much a lock. Uh, UMass, pretty much a lock. But then just take a look at the rest of that group. You, you try to tell me, we know what Vermont did uh, we, lately. We know what Providence is capable of with uh, – uh, perhaps the Hobie Baker winner and Jack Dugan on at least the uh, the country's leading goal scorer or and point getter, I should say. Um, we know Northeastern is a threat. We know UMass Lowell is a threat. We saw what Maine did coming down the stretch. Uh, Connecticut's playing some good hockey right now. And Boston University scares the heck out of me every time the Hockey East tournament is played because for some reason – they find a way to get themselves at least into the championship game and an upset could happen. This is the conference that scares me. Your thoughts? Well, right now we're not even a hundred percent sure who's going to be in the conference tournament. Right. Okay. Um, we spent a lot of the last couple of weeks worrying about Northeastern. Yeah. 
uh, in terms of ASU's pair, in terms of their uh, uh, numbers of, in, in the pairwise compared to ASU? Well, right now, Northeastern is not even a lock to get into the conference tournament. Right. Okay. They're <laughs> it's at, crazy. They're, they've it got a crazy. weekend coming up against Boston University, all right, who will be fighting uh, for position as well in the uh, hockey standings. And you have a situation where uh, if Northeastern doesn't win this weekend and playing Boston University, and BU could be knocked out of the tournament too this weekend if they don't. I mean, that's a series this weekend that's got a lot on the line. Providence has 23 points in Hockey East. Boston University has 23 points in Hockey East. Northeastern has 21 points. And New Hampshire has 20 points. So you've got four teams right there that really are in danger of not making the not making their conference tournaments and not getting a bid to the NCAAs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Providence, even with Jack Dugan, is only at five hundred in the league. Okay, and they only and you know they play. I believe. Uh, let's see who they play in this week as we as we go through this year. Okay, they have one conference game left at Maine. Maine has been a dominant home team all year long. So uh, there are no locks at all right now uh, in that bottom section of the Hockey East standings. They're all playing for something, in the, and, they're, and they're all playing each other uh, by yeah, the schedule. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a, a really fun couple of weeks. And – we don't use that word in this house. Uh, New New Hampshire uh, is playing Boston College this weekend. We'll just call them New Hampshire. We're not going to use it, that other word in this house, uh, ah. which is verboten. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't care. Um, uh, so uh, the Hockey East uh, Conference Tournament is on the line, and all of those teams are playing each other this weekend. Uh, absolutely you know, okay how now you know boston college is going to play hard because they don't want to drop in the pairwise right right so they're, they're looking for one of those top four uh spots and get a number one seed yeah. somewhere okay yeah. so we'll, we'll revisit sure. the the seeding process in just a minute but that kind of runs down uh all the the possibilities out there so uh like i said before like paul said before last week on the show it, the best thing to do is just avoid all of it don't worry about it yeah, relax just, and enjoy enjoy your sun devils until next week and and let us tell you what's going to happen down the stretch but uh something came to light last night and was announced officially today by arizona state that um the holiday face-up this year is not going to be down in or uh, holiday face-up that's what they're calling the tournament but paul and i aren't going to be going to southern california uh in december this year we're going to be going to madison wisconsin uh, and uh, the first ever have a gun to my head. Uh, <laughs> the first ever it holiday face-off at the Fiserv Forum. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers are the host. Clarkson, Connecticut, and your own Arizona State Sun Devils are the team that are going to make up that inaugural holiday face-off tourney uh, up in Badger Country. Uh, surprised, Paul, that they would announce it so early. Um. 
listen, why not? You know, yeah. this way you give people a chance to make whatever travel plans they might be interested in making. Um, I think that tournament, those games are going to be played in Milwaukee. Yeah, in, in the, the new Pfizer form, which Madison. is right in the uh, Pfizer form. So I, I was a little bit off when I said Madison, but uh, Wisconsin, uh, of course, is the University of Wisconsin's in Madison, but they will right. be in Milwaukee in the uh, the home of the Milwaukee Bucks, and the first time they'll have ice in there for uh, a hockey game. All right. Well, I haven't really read the details other than uh, uh, seeing who's playing. Uh, I'll be shocked if ASU's not playing Clarkson in that first round. But uh, and that's not a <laughs> knock on UConn. But let's face it. Um, I mean, could ASU end up playing Wisconsin in the first round? Sure. Um, but I'm going to guess Clarkson will be have a new goalie next year. Uh, because they're thank God for that the rest of the so, NCAA right or the ECAC or whatever <laughs> but uh, no listen it's good get the name out there uh, once again Clarkson we know is an NCAA championship contender every year uh, UConn is 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 got the the name just like ASU does and of course Wisconsin's a blue blood so certainly no lack of names in that tournament. Yeah, and you know, and the unique part about it is uh, the uh, the Sun Devils played in the inaugural their own inaugural tournament when they uh, started NCAA hockey so many years ago. <laughs> yeah, they so also many. were they were also an inaugural team in the uh, Las Vegas Invitational, which is now uh, no longer that, but the Fortress Invitational. But they were the inaugural team there. Here they are again, the inaugural team in. Uh, the holiday face-off tournament, or one of the inaugural teams, I should say, well, there's going to be four of them. But, you know, what does that say about the respect that Coach Powers and ASU is getting, that they get invited to these huge tournaments and, and people want them to, to be there? I mean, wow, how do you gain that much respect so fast amongst your peers? Well, it's two ways. One, you win games. Okay? True. You, you, you win games. Uh, the second way is... And I leave Las Vegas out of this because that's a completely different animal. It, it it's what a one hour flight from Phoenix to Las Vegas, four hour yeah, drive, about the same, five hour about drive. the same length it was over to Orange County, California. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, when you uh, go and watch ASU play on the road. Okay, there's always a bunch of maroon and gold pitchforks in those buildings. And yes. there's one thing that – there are two things that get you respect. One, wins. And two, selling more tickets. That will make you very, very popular. Yes. Yes, it will. Okay. okay. So and now – we got that announcement out. I, I do want to talk about a couple more things. We've got about, what, six minutes here to go to wrap up this episode. But um, I want to talk a little bit about, Paul, the, uh, the strategy going out to these last few weeks of practice leading up to this and the events that are happening. Uh, Coach Powers told us last week that there's a special announcement coming out of, of something that they're going to do uh, before the uh, – 
selection show. I don't know if we can say it yet. We we both know, but we'll wait for uh, the Sun Devils to announce it officially before we jump onto that. Well, so they've got uh, that I, I coming up. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and, well, I do. So, <laughs> well, okay. Um, but, but but you know me. I, I, yeah. I want to see. I want to see shovels in the ground. So, um, because we can't. Get and an I do without saying that. And so I, I when do it comes also to believe like this. I want to say him too. Okay, I I also want to say that I I've heard rumblings that they will be back at the ASU uh, golf course over at Papago for uh, for a uh, selection Sunday show um, to determine you know they'll, they'll wait a couple of weeks before they announce that officially obviously to make sure that it's likely that they're going to get in. I would say right now it's pretty likely. But a couple of things that I noticed in practice today, there was a lot of skill development, a lot of uh, drill work. They broke into two groups. They did basically forwards first, defensemen, and, and redshirt uh, guys second. Two different groups. Uh, Coach Powers wasn't on the ice, but the other three assistants were on the ice with the guys, working them pretty hard because I saw some guys sucking down the water bottle pretty hard towards the end of that practice. I also heard Coach Hicks saying, good job, guys. So he worked them pretty good today, um, which doesn't surprise me. The other thing is I did see uh, uh, Demetrius Kumansis on the ice doing some puck work and some skating, and it looks very yes, much nice. like Demetrius is going to be back. Um, not too many, if any, injuries that I'm, I'm aware of right now. So they look fairly healthy at this point. Um I do want to tease next week's show right here because that leads me into why they're so healthy in my estimation, and that's Leanne Blinn, the strength and conditioning coach. She's going to join us next week, and I hope she's got time because I know Paul and I both have a bunch of questions for her and how she does her magic at ASU, but Leanne will be with us next week as a special guest. And finally, Paul, I want to throw out the fact that um, the uh, – the Sun Devil program, the NCAA program, was born from the ACHA championship. So every time I see Coach Powers, I know he always wants to get a word in about how proud he is of ACHA hockey and what they're doing. And leading into uh, next week and the week after before the uh, ACHA national tournament, history will be made tomorrow. In the, and, and I want everybody to tune in and, and keep an eye on it because – History in the Desert Southwest will be made tomorrow in ACHA hockey. That's all I'm going to say at this point. But uh, trust me, it's going to be well worth uh, the watch, the listen, the tweets, whatever, tomorrow when the uh, national tournament uh, field is announced for uh, Dallas, Texas in a couple of weeks. So congratulations to everybody that's going to get in tomorrow. Um, For the teams that aren't getting in, it, it just shows how great the competition is in ACHA hockey, and guess what, Paul? That's where we get NCAA teams from. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it, it was, if nothing, it will certainly give you plenty to talk about uh, on the club college hockey uh, Southwest weekly podcast tomorrow night. So, uh, Well, in addition to that, we're going to have the commissioner of the Western Collegiate Hockey League joining us tomorrow night so uh, that's even going to be more fun and then like I said we're going to have special guests leading all the way up to the uh, what we hope is the tournament uh, bid announcement and uh, 
let's hope that, that this year goes a little better than, than last year because I hope the guys are, are mentally charged and ready to go from the opening faceoff and wherever they go and however they get there, let's just see if they can make it uh, two wins in a row and move on to that Frozen Four. Yeah, well, let's hope so. In the meantime, uh, when we talk to Leanne Blinn next week, uh, maybe she can uh, take the boys over uh, uh, during the this break to uh, meet our newest partner, our newest sponsor, the uh, Hockey Mill in Tempe, maybe? That wouldn't be a bad idea. The, uh, the Hockey Mill just opened up last weekend, had their uh, grand opening Saturday and Sunday. Uh, if you uh, have been to our feature, What Drives You, you saw that I was out there and visited with uh, the owners, Jared and Bailey Smith. Um, Jared, a former ACAK player himself. Yeah, at ASU. So, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yep, absolutely, at the ACHA ranks. So uh, shout out to them for coming on board as corporate partners with us. Um, we call I'll that you go tonight. a segue. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, right now and let everybody go tonight with uh, Paul letting us know who uh, our great corporate partners are and how we can't do this without them. Well, College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Sprint, best phones on the best network. A college bar and grill at our new location at 740 South Mill in Tempe. Uh, once again, the Hockey Mill, welcome aboard in Tempe, the Valley's newest spot for year-round on and off-ice training. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila for the best margaritas and more. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. People's Choice award-winning tastes for lunch or before the game. By Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community for over 25 years. By OxyPow, cleaning and deodorizing your office or equipment naturally. By M-Drive, it's all about energy, stamina, and recovery. By the Eichstein, Scottsdale, and Chandler. Practice home of the Arizona Coyotes. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Have a good night, everybody, for Scott Strandy live here in Scottsdale and Paul Hornstein out on Long Island. Until next week, so long. Watch hockey, play hockey, and grow the game in the desert Southwest. Have a good night. <laughs>